episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny. Hey, good to be with you today. We uh, are coming around with our second installment, mm-hmm. right, of our Correct. Uh, another new format we're introducing, uh, which will eventually run out of decades, but <laughs> sooner than later. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a finite uh, episode idea, but it's uh, we are talking about horror through particular decades and ranking our top 10 based on decade. So we uh, had uh, Jason the McRib McCullough on and we talked about the 1980s, correct? Correct. All right. And right now, tonight, we are talking about the 1950s. The 1950s. When, as I looked over a list of films that came out in the 1950s, I realized that the 1950s were kind of... The 1990s of the horror era, <laughs> in that in the time frame that it's in, yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot of middle. No, there, there's a lot of really good ones. More good. than more than you would think. Yeah. I think people. The ratio is good. Yeah, um, but there's also some really cheesy stuff too. There's uh, some kind of clogged up the lanes for. Yeah, there's some really good ones. There's some really dookie ones. <laughs> you can tell that that drive-in era. Was hitting where they were trying to produce things for teenagers to go watch at the drive-in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true. For sure. All right. Well, before we start, I want to throw out an honorable mention. It's one that I've always wanted to watch, but still have not. My dad recommended it to me because he thought the concept was so funny. But a film called From Hell It Came about, oh, a, yeah. about a killer tree. Yep. <laughs> you guys ever watched that? No. I know of it. No, I've never seen that. Okay. Well... I sure wish I would have watched well, it. Maybe maybe you'll just have to pick that down the line. We'll all watch. Well, it thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, who wants to start us, Professor? I think you should. You should start us out with your. I would like to say before we start that I believe that the fifties was Grizz's idea, which is very surprising to me that you yes, said fifties. It's not a bad thing. I was just surprised you picked the 50s. Just doesn't seem like a decade that you're as... There's uh, so much offense in this room right now. Yeah. Have you not read my book (laughs) that I wrote on horror films in the 1950s? (laughs) It's actually called From Hell It Came. (laughs) Yeah, they call him Atomic Abner. (laughs) No, they don't. (laughs) Yeah, well, it'd be awesome if they did. Um, so I think now, you got a new nickname and t- line of t-shirts, folks. Atomic Abner. Hey, I'll be dead honest with you. Dead honest with you. That's a fair assessment. And um, I would be lying if I said that it. I hit ten, and I just hit ten. Yes, without <laughs> getting repetitive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of movies from the fifties. Um, that's a big flex for, for all yeah. the listeners. Well, we're <laughs> impressed. Um, I know. I can tell by your face. Um, but I, I was I was surprised too. But I think it's important to kind of jump around on these these yeah, decades because um, you don't want to jump right out of the gate with all the modern ones. Um, and yeah, 
so yeah, I thought it was a nice nice follow up to the eighties and uh I talked to I got some decent feedback just from friends and others that they seem to enjoy that first one, so hopefully we hit some of the same so um I know that not everybody ranks them i i I like to rank mine for this, so I actually as I list these, I'm starting off with my tenth for this um my tenth choice was I was a teenage werewolf nineteen fifty seven um, Michael Landon, Whit Bissell, who's um, in some other movies from the decade, such a unique name. But um, again, yeah, yeah, this is I um, sneezed. <laughs> this is a, a really underrated werewolf entry in a topic that really doesn't have a long list of good ones. It's pretty ferocious, especially for a guy that is kind of viewed as you know just a teen heartthrob and went on to have you know a pretty wholesome career with uh, Little House in the Prairie and. Highway to Heaven. There it is. And they did a, a fun little nod to I Was a Teenage Werewolf on one of the episodes I've there. I've never seen I Was a Teenage Werewolf. It's well, not easy to get a hold of. I was going to say, that's the problem, is it's it's just been kind of relegated to bootleg tables at this and point. And here's a question. Take <laughs> take my copy home tonight. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I That's one of those that I... I don't know if it's a rights thing or, like... Why it has to be? Because why would you hang on to something and not like? There's other more movies that'll come up later that you never see on like. Spinguli's got national audience, you know, and he shows a lot of the universal stuff. And I understand with the package that you buy, you're obligated to show them in certain time slots and so many times within the calendar year. But you would think the the people who own the rights for this would want to at least get this in circulation to something like right. that so that it's not forgotten and i don't understand why the strange. logic of that like it's the same things happening right now with richard rubenstein and the romero stuff that he produced like dawn of the dead the best blu-ray releases uh, by now you have to get from overseas the screenings are few and far between although it seems to be upticking a little bit but it's the same thing with martin that's a bitch to get a hold of and and you got to wonder it's like with every passing year he's gone at, at the longer you do this the less potent the properties are that you own if yes. you're not letting people see them so i agree it's the same thing with this and it has to be something weird rights related because it's peer movie like it's sibling movies all have been released yes. over and over and over again I was a teenage Frankenstein. How to make a monster? These are all readily accessible. So I don't know what has occurred with this one, um, but just to kind of paint a picture for the werewolf, you can see it in the TV version of it. His hmm. his big fears of the werewolf is lifted directly from I was a teenage werewolf and that generation of kids mm-hmm. being scared of that. So okay. that they do kind of mimic that exact werewolf fear. But that, yeah, that's my that's my opening tenth entry for. Uh, Really, a pretty underrated one from the decade. Venomous. Um, I didn't rank mine in order, but uh, there are some that I favor more than others, so I'll keep that in mind. Uh, House of Wax mm. on my list, and I have a copy of House of Wax that I uh, bought from Son of Ghoul, <laughs> Son of a Wasteland. That's 3D, so that's that kind of makes it. A little, and I only got that within the year, but that. Makes that go a little bit higher on the list for me because I've got it in 3D and can watch it. But more, more wonderful Vincent Price stuff to watch. I've got a feeling that we're going to hear a lot from Mr. Vincent Price uh, this yes. evening on yes. this episode. Um, I've never seen the original House of Wax. Uh, mm. I feel bad. Um, I've you seen should. the seen the remake, <laughs> which is more of a tourist trap remake than House of Wax. But I do want to watch it. Yeah, it's it's worth your time. Yeah, I'll I'll hit on it a little bit later. Yeah. 
Number 10 for Good me, stuff. one we just recently covered. Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man. Ooh, nice. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that one. Especially when we talked about how you have Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And then just kind of some of the drop in quality that would happen over the course By of the By the time years. you got to Mummy, it was abysmal. <laughs> yeah. But then they come back with Invisible Man, and it's actually pretty fun. Yeah, it Ex- is. Except for when we still ask the question, why were his legs backwards at the end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a little weird. <laughs> haven't slept right in months. Ever, <laughs> but I had more fun with it than I expected because I did not have high hopes for that, given sure. the declining quality. That's a nice choice. Yeah. I thought of that one. Uh, my number nine is the Cyclops. Uh, and hmm. this, honestly, is probably higher, but it, this is just more of a me movie. In terms of quality, I recognize that there are ten easily uh mini movies better but mm-hmm. for me i love it it's um mr big bird eye bird eye gordon um and it's got uh lon cheney jr in it uh granted aging um but and gloria talbot who is i think and i'm mar- maybe i married a space monster or some one of those but the the cyclops is a lot of fun that she hires a group uh that Take they charter a little plane out to this island to look for her husband that's went missing. It definitely leans into the whole atomic element. He's exposed to radium that makes him huge, and he it ended up on the cover of like famous monsters. He's got the big gnarly one eye, um, but they do a lot of stuff that Gordon would go on to do with a lot of his movies, which he was known for. That's why he's called Mister Big. Was using to scale real animals, and mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of that in this, but it's very somber. Because she's lost her husband, and then when they find him, things aren't going real great. Uh, but then you also have Chaney in a very weak role in terms of like his character. He's he's just kind of a loser. Um, it, it, it's just an interesting movie, um, and I think one that kind of got overlooked. Now, Warner Archives has put out a DVD and Blu-ray in recent years, so it's pretty easy to get a hold of. But it's definitely one that's not known particularly well but i wanted to make sure i got a couple on here that were just more me movies yeah. than, than the traditional 10 and and this is one of those does he have an eye in the middle of his head or is it like yeah okay yeah. i don't think I've no seen no no that. no no no. sorry i'm mixing that up with the colossal man it's he's got the one that's just completely destroyed the side of his face yeah okay yep. yeah 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 i think i have seen and he's that. going around like in a loincloth yeah it's they could do some gnarly stuff with lizards and snakes on there that are oversized and everything on the island has been affected by it mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and you're right. That's definitely an atomic age cinema type of type of movie. Yeah, yeah. but a nice later entry for Cheney, who at that point wasn't doing too many movies that were real happy to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good one. One for me in the same vein is The Incredible Shrinking Man. Ooh, that's a good one. It's... Uh, I was surprised at how well they pull it off. It's also very inventive. Yeah, they, they think outside the box. Yeah, they really the sets that they use with the oversized furniture, mm-hmm. like that. They do what they they set out to do. They, they they make you believe that this man is shrinking. It's pretty thrilling too. Like you find <clears> yourself <throat> in some pretty, uh, and I mean, younger listeners can can understand to a certain degree with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I mm-hmm. mean, and the same right. idea of like you take these very basic fundamental things that are everyday life that suddenly become gargantuan in these settings. Yeah. That can be wildly thrilling. Oh, it totally captivated us as kids. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I really, and and I've only seen that one within the last probably year and a half and I was stunned by it when I watched it. 
Loki, Incredible Shrinking Woman with Lily Tomlin years later. Mm-hmm. Pretty damn entertaining yep. also. I've tried to look for that and find it to watch too. And no That'd be avail. a fun double. I'm going to say probably is, you know, I didn't directly rank them. I'm sorry, Professor, but uh, I've definitely got a <clears throat> high or low on here. And I would say maybe my next one would probably be The Tingler. Ooh. Mm. The little VP. Yeah, uh, about half my list is Vincent Price, but yes, the, the, the Tingler. Um, the only reason mine isn't is because I purposely was like, all right, I don't want to make this a same. top ten Vincent Price. Price. And Castle, William Castle, for that matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, because we're going to get more of that, yeah, too. Tingler's so much fun. It's a fun movie. Yeah, it's, again, it's it's at the bottom of my top ten list, but it's for that for that decade, it's still up there. Especially just to think about what the audience would have experienced when they were watching it. Sure. And Well, and even gimmicks aside where they pause and you know you you take care of it by having the audience scream and that whole communal element with the film is a lot of fun but even you know pushing that away it's still effective with some of the imagery like when you have the blood mm-hmm. colored on screen and there's there's still some pretty gnarly stuff especially for younger viewers it's, oh, a, it's a fun movie yeah for sure for sure um my number eight um godzilla so uh, this is I know would be higher for a lot of people. I'm for me, I, I like the overall property more than I do just the individual movie. So that's why it's not up right towards the top of the list. That's why it's not on my top ten. It's in my honorable mentions. Okay. But uh and are you talking King of the Monsters or are you talking Gojira? Gojira. Yeah. yeah. I, I just I feel like it's it's so impactful and it's still so good. That you know, I'm fine with it being on my top ten list. Um, but again, I, I think a lot of people would probably push this right up towards the top for them. Oh, yeah, there sure. are a lot of people who would sure, would, and I yeah. and I adore it. They're probably cussing us right now. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that's okay. But it is it is on my list. Um, but yeah, I think it's just it it changed the landscape of of genre filmmaking, mm-hmm. uh, and and obviously the franchise exploded <clears throat> for decades and decades. Right. So, I mean, there's that too. But I think. Even with all of that aside, its relevance to what that country had went through, it's just a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you don't care about watching all the sequels, just this standalone is good. Yeah, for sure. I have The Bad Seed Ooh, on my list. Excellent choice. Not on my list, but I'm, I, it's, it's really good. One of the best child performances that I've seen of that and previous eras. I, I don't know that I've ever watched a movie that I was scared of the kid like that She's bitchy really little good. girl. Yeah. <laughs> like that snarl. Like she was it's like Nellie Olsen on steroids. <laughs> like just the meanest little girl. Yeah. Such a good performance. That movie blew me away when I first saw it. Blew me away. The original, The Good Son, you know, yeah. just kind of playing on the, 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 just malicious evil little child. It's yeah. a good one, and I think she still does a lot of appearances like it. Hmm. Uh, if nothing else, Turner Classic. Give it events. back to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice choice. All right, uh, let's see. Looking at my list, looking at my list. Let's talk about the Return of the Fly. Mm-hmm. The With Vincent Christ, Vincent. as my kid would say when he's little. <laughs> oh, Return of the Fly. Um, 
Yeah, the original Fly is going to rank higher on this list, mm-hmm. obviously for me. But I really did enjoy the Return of the Fly, in spite of the giant head. Yeah, on the Fly, like in spite of that, it's still a good sequel. It's a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I and I think the reason why it makes my list is because I enjoyed it more than I expected to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially because the first one is in color, and then they chose to make the sequel in black and white. Yeah. And. Yeah, but it still plays. Like, mm-hmm. it's still a really good standalone flick. Yeah, I agree. It is good. And it's, uh, those movies still, they maintained more of a somber tone than I feel like they get credit for because we like to focus on some of the, the more ridiculous elements of movies from that era. But there's a, there's a lot of excellent quality to be found in those fly films. Yeah, I agree. Um, my number seven, we've already mentioned House of Wax. Um, I think that it is, it's aged really well. I think that the effects that they have in it look excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, price is really good. You get a young Charles Bronson in there, which is always interesting before he was a, a bona fide star. Um, I really love the original Mystery of the Wax Museum. It's one of my favorite vintage horror movies. Um, and I like it better than House of Wax, which isn't always the, the same sentiment shared with others. Um, but House of Wax is excellent. It's a blast if you got the 3D gimmick, as Vinny mentioned. That's a lot of fun, too. But at its core, it's just a good horror movie. It really is. So Nice. Uh, Return of the Creature, mm-hmm. The Black Lagoon. I like that sequel a lot. I tend to watch that one almost every summer. I also now own a copy that's 3D, like the old, uh, what do they call that, uh, anaglyphic or something like that, mm. anyway, with the red and blue lenses. Ah, but This I is where I nod, because I know what you mean, but I don't yeah, know how to... I don't remember. But uh, anyway, I like that sequence, because I like the concept of it. They get him captured, and you've got him in like a sea world. Like roadside attraction yeah. type mm-hmm. of deal, and so whereas you had the people in his world in the first one, now you've got him in the people's world. Yeah, yeah. And so I really liked. I, I, if you're going to do a sequel, do something a little bit different, and they definitely deliver on that one. I don't think it's as good as the return, the creature from the black lagoon, but I think it's a beyond above serviceable sequel. Very good. Okay, let's get a little weird. Let's talk about the Night of the Hunter on Ooh. my list. Ah. On my list, I wasn't see. I wasn't sure how you guys would feel about it. I'm, I struggled with that it. as well. And whether it. or not people would consider that to be true horror, or which not. is okay. I'm not being you know. <laughs> it's not right. I, I'm there with you because it's so. So there are people who would say it's more noir and not horror. Agreed. And then there are people who say it's not noir. It is horror. I would argue be one of those little kids going through this. Oh yeah, it's yeah, horror exactly. So. Yeah, Mitchum is so good in this. He's effective um, in the love and the hate tattoos that we would just see in cartoons and everything else of all of our lives growing up to see where that's kind of where it originated. Um, and you're right. I mean, these kids on the run from this like crazy pseudo preacher guy who's hunting them down to get money that's hidden in a doll. Like, yeah, yeah, and just I mean, just the way it's shot. It's shot beautifully. Stanley Cortez, who did all kinds of other work with like Orson Welles, the most underrated name in photography and Charles Lawton's only directorial yeah. effort, um, which well, if you get what the, a, what a credit to have. Yeah. No kidding. The right. um, criterion release of this has a whole feature 
where it's him directing, and it's fascinating. That's cool. Where he's instructing the kids, because there's all these legends about him not enjoying children on set. Bullshit. He's great with them. Excellent movie. Yeah. We should lean into it. We should pick it for an episode down the line. Yeah. Cover it. That'd be fun. Sure. Absolutely. I'm game. Um, my next entry, number six, Curse of Frankenstein from Hammer. Yep. 1957. Um, it's one of my favorites. I, I, I love the way that they've got Frankenstein uh, looking in this. You've got the, the great trifecta with Hammer where Terrence Fisher directs, and then you've got Cushing and Lee in it. Um, yeah, Frankenstein just looks gnarly. The color in it, like many Hammer films, is beautiful. The settings, when you get, you get Frankenstein monster loose out in the wooded area with all the leaves and them having to deal with that, there's just so many good elements of the movie. That that is one of my favorites. I love that Hammer put the emphasis on the Baron and not the creature in mm-hmm. their series. Uh, as the series went on, it was it was the Baron, and you got a different creature every every. Whereas you know Universal, obviously, their creature carried that franchise. Sure. And yes, the monster does look fucking crazy. Christopher Lee's monster is gnarly, and then. Where he shoots it and kills it, but then they come back and he's pieced it together again and brought it back to life, and now it's missing part of the brain. Like, just, that's fucked up. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I really enjoy it. Really enjoy it. It's not, it's Hammer, and I don't think Hammer's for everybody. Sure. Because their movies can get a little long in the tooth sometimes, but uh, love Curse of Frankenstein. Love it. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, I I'm not a huge Hammer fan, um, but I really appreciate any of the stuff that Terrence Fisher did. Yeah. What about that Adams Family song he did? Oh <laughs> 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 uh, shoot! But I, there is a Hammer entry coming up on my list. Nice. I will tell you that. Of course, you know that. All right. So I guess that's on me. Let's see here. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Ooh. I'll just tell you right now, that's my next pick. Is it? For number five. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen the original. No kidding. It's got R.J. Fletcher from UHF. It's so damn good. Yes, it It is. It is so damn good. I mean, it's... I I think many people making this list would put this number one. I mean, it's that excellent. And even though it's still a 50s film, there's something different about this one. Like with the... the, Because there's a lot of ETs and, and, and things like that. In this era of cinema, but something's just done differently in this one. Yeah, that resonates different. It also is one of those generational pieces of greatness that just influenced everybody of a certain age, and it, it comes through in, in their their movies. But especially uh, the the biggest nod to this by far is Halloween three in terms of where it's not a direct remake. Mm-hmm. It's filmed in the same place. I visited the little town square in Sierra Madre, California, where they're they're all picking up their, their pods there. And uh, they they filmed the same sequence for, for Halloween 3 there. But it's they don't lean into a lot of things of the moment. It's more just about the humans and mm-hmm. their communities. And so I think that's part of why it's, it's so timeless. But the idea, a, a good idea is just a good idea. And I think it's just... It keeps getting recycled because yeah. it's it's great, and this is where it comes from. It's just a, a true classic. Yeah, for sure. 
Okay, well, my next one, let's return to Vincent Price with House on Haunted Hill. Mm. One of the best public domain movies that are out there. Like, you got that, Night, Night of the Living Dead. Like, there are a few, there are a lot of movies out there public domain. Most of them are public domain for a reason. There's mm-hmm. a reason people didn't re-up on their rights. Yeah. But this is one of those that the quality is 100% just the same as any anything else that that's copywritten. Yeah, this and, and 13 Ghosts in particular were my favorite from like this little pocket as a kid. I love this movie. Um, the only reason it didn't make my list is just because I, you know, it could be interchanged with House of Wax for me. I love mm-hmm. both of them uh, in, a, in a really strong way, but I wanted to have some variety. But yeah, House on Haunted Hill, man, it just leans into all of those classic elements oh, yeah. that are just they're fun about. And this is the one that had all the stuff in the theater. Yep. So. And so my dad, my dad told me about this when I was a kid. That when he saw this in the theater, like obviously he didn't see it when it came out. He saw it when it was ran again. But even then, they were they still had people dressed up, walking up and down the aisles, freaking people out, and like ghosts on strings going through the theater. So even when he probably would have seen it in the early '60s, they were still doing some of that stuff. And yeah. so that stands out for me. It's a good memory for me. And then just you know, so many of the iconic scenes. And it's yeah. Fun. It's just, it's got so much classic stuff in it. Uh, I'll skip right on by me. Invasion of the Body Snatchers is my next one uh, for number five. I feel like we already hit that pretty good. It's just a classic. Vinny? It's fun. I appreciate that you did like a more curated list because like when we did the 80s episode, I was like, there are movies that I know are better than what I've got on my list, but I want to hit some specifically 80s type stuff, which is kind of the idea you're doing here. Well, hitting the list again, Vincent Price, The Fly. Yeah, that's the fly's just so good, and I and I even when that reveal happens, that head looks great yeah, in that movie. It does. Oh yeah, and, for sure. And the the monster <laughs> side of the story is really secondary to how the story is told. That's true. Yeah, those those are good. They they hold up pretty well. I like how different each of those first two entries are as well. Yeah, I'll just. Piggyback on that, The Fly is is one of my next choices as well. And um, again, as someone who saw Jeff Goldblum's Fly first, Mm -hmm. and it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time, to go back with some trepidation and and jump into the Vincent Price Fly, like, I don't know, man, there's a lot to live up to based on Mm -hmm. Goldblum and Cronenberg. And to watch it and love it, I'm like, yeah, like you know, it's respect where respect given where respect is due, but at the same time, being like, oh no, this definitely still kept my attention. It yep. was an awesome movie, yeah. especially for the time that it came out. Yeah, it's still got some of the special elements to it that, yeah. that it's leaning into. Oh, show good one, tight. Year ago, that that was me piggybacking. With, oh, okay, with gotcha. Being, um, another one of my middle of the road choices. My fourth one, Curse of the Demon. Ha ha. I love it. It's now this is one of those ones where whenever I've recommended it to somebody, I always kind of brace for some people are not going to get around the the appearance of of some of the uh elements with the demon that they show, but I think the story I, I think it looks really good. I think so do I. Fuck it looks great. Yeah. But you know, some people who aren't used to watching sure. things from different eras are going to struggle with that, but I think even with that said, I think the storytelling is fantastic. I I think that it's got so much mood uh, this is um, from the director uh, Jacques Turner or Turner, who uh, did stuff. Uh, some of the best movies with Val Luton, 
um, made this, and it's got Dana Andrews, who is one of the more wooden actors of all time, but he made so many excellent movies, so I don't know if that's in spite of him. Uh, you know, it's hard telling, but yeah, Curse of the Demon is just a lot of fun. It, it really taps into kind of that investigative angle, and it's me and my dad always like to joke that the the expert doesn't believe in a bunch of stuff, <laughs> the, which is a, a kind of a weird angle on that. But um, yeah, it's just visually, I think it's striking. I, I think it's one of the moodiest movies of this decade. Uh, and for that matter, in all of war, mm-hmm. it's, and it's one that I wanted to make sure I brought more attention to, because I don't think it's as known as a lot of movies that'll make this list. It's criminally overlooked. Yeah. And it's higher on my list. So I'll talk about it a little bit later. Nice. Um, I've got a lot of honorable mentions, but because you guys have mentioned other ones, my t- my top ten's running kind of thin now. So I'll go, because I know one of them I've got, uh, Grizz is going to be on. So, Creature from the Black Lagoon. To me, that might be the best of the decade. You, you got Universal after a drought hitting again with a, with a major monster movie that, God... Probably more famous than some of their earlier entries at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's much higher on my list. Oh wait, that's what, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm running out, so I think I'm pretty. This is pretty much the top for me. Uh, just it's plus I have fond memories of being a little kid and watching it with 3D glasses, Bobby pinned to my head. Like so, I have that nostalgia for it too. But the suit looks absolutely phenomenal, especially in this first one. When nobody's using any kind of scuba gear to swim, and you don't get any of the bubbles coming out, uh, I like the eyes in this one on on the mask. It doesn't look as uh, ping pong bally to me. Uh, just the breathing when he's out of water, the way that mouth moves and those bladders they had and the gills, just all of that stuff's really kick ass. So, creature from the black lagoon, that that you get tops from me on that. Rolling right with that, that would be my number four. Uh, on the list here. Um, and the big shock of that is that I had never seen it until we covered the franchise. Holy wow. shit. <clears throat> yeah. That's cool, though. Yeah. and You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair, but you're right. I mean, just the way that it stands out so much more than some of the earlier Universal mm-hmm. entries to, to come in you know, that late to the game and to be that iconic and just to be that visually stunning... Um, man, I mean, it's just unforgettable scenes, mm-hmm. you know, even coming into it at, in my late thirties, so, so far behind everybody else who had already been, you know, watching it for decades and just, yeah, definitely really enjoyed it. Um, my number three, the mummy from hammer. That's uh, the one I knew that Grizz was going to say 1959, same, uh, great trio of Fisher, Cushing and Lee. Um, I've said over the years, and it's no secret, I love mummy movies in general. I think this is the most kick-ass mummy. This is my favorite mummy movie, period. Um, Well, I'm very, very fond of the Universal franchise, but I I can't deny how excellent this movie is. I mean, it is sinister. It is jarring. The mummy is powerful. Yeah, when he... Instead of lumbering around with with one gimpy arm, like all the Universal movies, save the first one... This mummy is a fucking powerhouse. This is oh, yeah. Michael Myers. He's coming through windows. Getting like, shot and poked through and tossing you around like, yep. man. And it's interesting, too, because if you're familiar with the Universal movies, this is directly tying into the same names, even, as the yeah. Universal property. Um, 
so yeah, this this is one that I thought might be a little unique outside of maybe this podcast where some people might not think of this that highly, but I, I this movie's fantastic. It's it's my number three. It's coming in higher on my list. And so. Beautiful. Uh, with with mentions, you guys mentioning things, I'm wiped out of my actual top ten. We, I, we've already covered what everything that would have been on mine. An honorable mention that I will throw out um, would be the Blob. That's my next one. Is it? Well, then you head out. You take that and run with it. <laughs> yeah, number my number three, the Blob, uh, a film that so many people misremember as being black and white, but it's not. Yes. And this was another one, working backwards, because I love the Blob remake. Yeah, it is from, a great remake. From, what, 85? When was that? No. The 80s. Yeah. So, uh, love the Blob remake. Um, Mad Chan had picked this for an episode, so went into this, kind of holding my breath, like, oh, man, like I've got just such a wicked, gnarly 80s nostalgia for this. Will the original hold up? And the original is so much fun, too. Like, it's, it's a blast. And oh, yeah. so... It's land, it's a landmark piece of independent filmmaking too because we we constantly fixate on the the same ones which we should yeah Night of the Living Dead Texas Chainsaw Massacre Halloween these are incredibly important movies but the Blob made its splash mm-hmm. in a time when um, that wasn't common I mean you still are not that far removed from the studio system and now you got a young Steve McQueen in there Steve McQueen uh, was it Phoenixville Pennsylvania he's playing a teenager and he's clearly in his thirties yep. Um, but and they've still got events where they have uh, fans run out of the movie theater there, and and that th- still stands the same today. Yeah, those yeah. are all just which would be yeah. something I think would be cool to visit. I'd love to go. To yeah, that. yeah, that's a really good one, and it still looks good. Oh yeah, I mean it does for, for a cheapo fifties movie. It looks excellent. Oh absolutely. So I was very pleased with it, and that is why it is number three. And and what a genius monster to come up with that is affordable. Uh, you can't really fuck that up and make it look cheap like a lot of the costuming did in some of these shittier 50s movies. Yeah. It's a really good idea. Yeah. Um, and I'm a mark for Steve McQueen. Can't go wrong. <laughs> it's, just... it's always right with Steve McQueen. Um, my number two, The Thing from Another World. Mm. Um, arguably the most important film from this list in terms of influence Mm -hmm. Uh, this is i mean even the remake alone but it's just like you talk to all of these directors this this was the one this captured the imagination um it still holds up i I like the remake better but that doesn't mean i don't love this i i think it's still wildly entertaining i love to put it on in winter um and yeah i just think it's a great movie Howard Hawks basically directed it, even though it's uh, is it Christian Nibby that, that's titled for it, but it's it's the Hawks movie. I think it was Christian Bale. <laughs> I quit. Um, but yeah, it's just it's, it's Christian Mingle. It's still uh, still really. I'm uh, moving on. It is. Uh, it's a really good movie. It is a really good movie. I the the remake is one of my favorite movies of all time, and to go back and watch that. And see, I mean, they're both so good in their own right. Sure. The remake changed all the right things to make theirs what's theirs. And it goes back to more true the scientific angle of the short story in the remake. But, man, the original is a lot of fun. Yeah, you still get some of those same great elements of being trapped out there together. and 
The doors opening, always a door opening and closing. They point out. Yep. Yeah. Trouble with Norwegians. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> uh. Did you have anything? Um, I just some uh, honorable mentions, uh, and some of these honorable mentions, I know they're not good movies per se, but I get a lot of enjoyment out of them. Uh, and it's this is another one that I think there must be something with the rights because you don't see it near as much as you think you would. The Giant Claw is so silly in the way that giant vulture looks. And then you have the scenes around it where they're playing it straight, like you're supposed to buy into this. Uh, it's, it's got a Plan 9 quality about it that I find really enjoyable. But again, you you don't see it, and you would think whoever has the rights to this would, would be leasing this thing out to be seen. Strike while the iron's hot, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number two, already been brought up, Curse of the Demon. Uh, alternate title, Night of the Demon? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, this was one I watched on a whim. I had just moved into a new house in Bryant uh, years ago. And um, I had this, I can't remember how I had it, but I had a copy of it. And I thought, man, I've always seen pictures from this in books, and it's always a gnarly looking demon. I should watch it. And was wildly surprised at how just. Uh, captivating the movie is yeah and you, the way you talked about the mood like it's gloomy like i sat down like i was i like put it on while i was like unpacking because i had just moved in and before long i wasn't unpacking anymore i was sitting and watching the movie yeah it's more it engages viewers more than most movies do from this list most yeah. of these are you are very aware that you're watching a fun 50s horror movie but with curse of the demon you find yourself out in the woods with him. Well, and literally, I was out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and I was in the living room. There were back pat my back patio doors were there, and it was before I had these blackout blinds up. There were no blinds there. And like I just did not want to look out that window and see that <laughs> demon's visage crawling through the sky. Yeah. That smoke effect mm-hmm. is it's incredible. Badass. It's cool. Yeah. It's still cool. Yeah. And it, yeah, it becomes surreal and kind of jarring. It, it gets in your. It's one of those to me, like the Invisible Man is, where you look at those visual effects now and they still look good, and you're like, "Man, I bet this blew an audience's mind in mm-hmm. the time that it was released." Right? Because if I'm kind of shocked by it now, seeing what I've seen, I can't imagine what people back then thought. Like, yeah. hey, it's 1957. That guy shit his pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's eating beans. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucking means. Um, okay, so on to. Uh, didn't expect that to be part of the episode. Um, on to my number one pick. I'm sure you can guess what it is at this point. Creature from the Black Lagoon. I think um, it is one of the best creature designs, if not the best creature design in all of film. Um, and even if the movie doesn't particularly grab you in terms of being scared or even captivated by the plot, you can't deny the look. It is a badass monster. Oh yeah, looks awesome. And as Vinny mentioned earlier, uh, the gills moving, uh, the like all of it just—he looks like he's sucking air when yeah. he's out on on. It's land. just remarkably good. Uh, it, it hasn't aged a bit. The cast has, in terms of you know, you can watch the movie and go, yeah, this is from the fifties, but it doesn't matter with the creature. Right, that creature is timeless. Looks excellent. I think it is um, just some of the best artistry. Of, of the decade in terms of just 
how they put that together and it's a kick-ass movie. I mean, it really is. The sequels are fine, but it, the first one is just incredible. Yeah. And that is my number one. Nice. Uh, an honorable mention, The well, Grizz is probably getting ready to say it, uh, The Horror of Dracula from <laughs> Hammer Films. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Damn opera. you. <laughs> I had to make a conscious effort not to make this a top ten Hammer and Vincent Price films yeah. list. I really had to go to lengths to Yeah, I jotted over that. to the left when I was getting started, just kind of rattling these off, I just jotted kind of ideas for the decade, which was Atomic, William Castle, Corman, Price, Hammer. Like, those are the things I thought of when I thought of them. I love Lee's Dracula in this. It's such a contrast to what Bela Lugosi did, I think, in that, because you, sure, you get the count, this tall, imposing count in this long cape, but you also get this flash of this fucking animal. Mm-hmm. And you don't get that with Lugosi's portrayal of Dracula. So that's the thing I always liked about uh, the Christopher Lee version was that. And of course, you can never go wrong with Lee and Cushing. You can never go wrong with those two in a movie. But I really enjoy that one. Didn't make my top ten for reasons previously mentioned, but definitely needs to be mentioned. Well, everybody at the table knows what my number one is, and that would be The Mummy from Hammer. I love that you love it. It I, it just hits for me. And um, and I think it's just because that like the Universal Mummy series doesn't hit for me very much. Right. Well, I hate you. <laughs> I know that upset you. <laughs> no, I get it. Um, they're, they're not. That's it is, why they're that, not as popular. That and Invisible Man are my least favorite series out of uh, Universal. Yeah, and and now I am by no means comparing the Universal Mummy series to the Brendan Fraser Mummy series, but <laughs> I do enjoy the Brendan Fraser Mummy, and I think that part of Hammer captures some of that same fun that they borrowed in the Brendan Fraser Mummy movies. I'm not comparing those to any of the other <laughs> properties. He started off so strong. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, and especially too when they go back in time and tell the story and like, I mean, they get cinematic with it. Yeah. You know? And, oh, and, and it's and, and, the sinister moments of like him standing in the, the like quicksand swamp, just goopy and looking gnarly as shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, when they go back and they show the ceremony and the processional and all the, the cast that they had working on that. Now, they're just all white people kind of painted brown, but right. like... Um, it's just fun. It's it's a it's it's a bigger scope I feel than a lot of the other Hammer properties. Now the Hammer properties tell good stories and they've got beautiful sets, but like the bigger scope of the story being told, mm-hmm. I think is much larger with the Mummy. Sure. And uh, yeah, I just I just had a lot more fun with it than I expected um, when we were doing some. Uh, we did a whole Mummy roundtable, didn't mm-hmm. we? That was yep. Non-universal mummy movies. Or I think we, we had all of them. We had all of them. Yeah, and so I watched this for that, and was just blown away, and blown away in a way that it is my number one horror movie from the 1950s. Damn, nice. yeah. <laughs> um, few honorable mentions that didn't make my list, but I think are important to the topic. Uh, them and yes. Tarantula. Yeah, um, yes. Those are. Both really well-made, fun offerings, um, especially from that Atomic era. And then uh, one that has always been uh, enjoyed in my household growing up is I Bury the Living. Hmm. It's a little bit more obscure, but 
um, it's an interesting premise where pe- people are being marked and and ending up dead based on this map in a cemetery, and it's it's an entertaining one. Sounds fun. Yeah. The only thing I've got left are a couple movies that really aren't uh, fantastic movies, but just that I kind of enjoy. Uh, the Beast of Ten Thousand Fathoms. Oh, yeah. That's always fun because I like uh, I like stop motion stuff, and uh, it's it's not a great movie, but I like Bride of the Monster. Yeah. Uh, shout out to my uh, dad who loves a movie called The Vampire, which is pretty obscure for the decade. It's ended up on some of those midnight movie double feature DVDs, um, mm. but it's it's pretty good. Um, and then I, I forgot to mention just one other one: A Bucket of Blood. Oh. That, that's got a pretty nice following and, and worth mentioning at least. Sure. That is my list. With all the mentions. Yep, I'm all out. I think we did pretty good there. Not yeah. too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Well, friends listening at home, hope you've enjoyed another trek through another decade. Stay tuned. We'll be hitting some other ones in the near future for sure. Uh, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I've been one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I've been joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny. Stay scary.